Hello friends, it's good to be with you again. And we are Nathaniel and Amy White with The Homemade Family. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to like, share, and find our other podcasts anywhere podcasts are found. You can also watch us at www.thehomemadefamily.com and on our YouTube channel, just search The Homemade Family, Nathaniel and Amy White. So I think that I'm doing the intro. <laughs> yes, well, I'm starting this off, actually. Oh, okay, go for it. Just a little bit. So um, we were... There, the, <laughs> honest, I'm doing the intro. I think that there's this. What we want to talk about this morning, that this today, man, you should just talk. What, what we want to talk about today kind of reminds me of I, cartoons. I'm sure that I've seen at some point in time, like some Looney Tunes kind of thing, where some character is shooting a gun at something. And somewhere like they're doing the cartoon thing, they're like closing their eyes or somebody blindfolds them. And of course, they don't do any kind of like actual gun safety to make sure that they see what they're shooting at. But they so they just kind of like they get blinded and somebody just redirects them, points them at something else. And then they go do something behind that person's back, like Bugs Bunny goes and steals the carrots from the garden or whatever, it, whatever it is that he's doing. And um, and the the thing that this that i feel like this is is like i feel like as parents we we know that we're aiming for something and we're shooting for something but something has kind of redirected us over time to be shooting at something that really isn't what our target is in parenting um i hope that that came out in all my stumbling and bumbling uh mm-hmm. in a way that was clear and you understood what i'm talking about but um but the whole thing is i think what we what we have ended up aiming at on accident is raising our kids and the reason that i i'm suggesting that we're suggesting that that actually isn't our target is because what scripture tells us is that the call on parents is to train up our children in the way they should go and and so we want to just propose that there really is a radical difference between raising our kids and training our kids. Yeah. And I'm just going to go on record. I loved this comment from Sarah Johnson yesterday on Nathaniel's Coffee with Dad about, you know, you raise chickens, but you train dogs. I mean, could you imagine trying to train your chickens? I'm sure some people out there actually do train them. But um you know, we can raise our kids to act like chickens where they just go about and eat and grow and eventually produce something. Or we can train our kids like we train our our dogs. We're not equating children with animals, but just it's such a good example to see like the ability and the agility. I don't know if you've ever watched dog sports, but absolutely amazing. So raising our kids versus training our kids. And, you know, I introed this on the website with talking about training being, you know, what elite athletes do. Training is actually things. <laughs> Zach says, Zach hey says, now, chickens are smarter than you think. Uh, Maybe we can talk about training cats. Training cats. There you go. Cats have some attitude. They probably equate a little better anyway. <laughs> yes. To those chicken lovers out there. I know chickens are, that's why I said some people might actually have really well-trained chickens, but 
to the most of us, that's how it is. Um, but, you know, elite athletes spend a lot of time training and they train their minds to think right. They train their bodies to react right. They train their muscles. They train every part of their being is training so that they can do something very well. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit today about how training our kids isn't just training kids. It's actually training parents as well. But we're going to start with the foundation of our parenting and where we decided that um, we would begin our training. We're going to share some training tips with you. But the foundational truth of our parenting actually came from scripture that said um, that man doesn't live on bread alone, but but by every mouth that proceeds from every word that proceeds from the mouth of the father. Easy for you to say. Right. Why don't you say that verse for me? Okay. It's in Deuteronomy <laughs> 8. You can find this for yourselves if you want to. Um, and yes, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And it comes from this context where, where God is speaking to his people right before he leads them into the promised land. And, and I, and I, we didn't talk about setting up the, this in depth as much, but I'm feeling like this is going to be really helpful for some of you out there watching this. But, um, but the context comes from the, the people of Israel have been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. They're standing literally on the edge of promise and, and God's given them one last sit down talk to just, here's the parameters and, and then let's go. And so Moses is addressing the people and he's reminding them of their history. And he says, so God, uh, he, he let you hunger and then fed you with manna, which you didn't know, so that you would know that, as a, uh, that, that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then it, it literally says this next verse, it says, so that you would know that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God was disciplining you. And so literally God connects this, this following his voice with as a man disciplines his son. And these thing, these two things are connected. And so our discipline, uh, uh, the discipline of disciplining of our kids is connected to them following our voice. And here's the reason for it. If I can just kind of keep going in this and, and lay in this foundation is because you compare the two different generations, the generation that died in the wilderness versus the generation that entered the promised land. And the first generation had very, very limited exposure to the manna. They'd had it for a year or maybe two years by the time they got to the edge of the promised land. And, and so basically they hadn't received much discipline from the Lord and they got to the edge of the promised land and God said, that land belongs to you. I will give it to you. Don't worry about all the nations bigger than you and the giants bigger than you and the cities with walls. Don't worry about all those things. I will give you this land. And they said, I believe my circumstances and my eyes more than I believe you. And they walked away from what God's voice said, walked in rebellion to him, and it ended up leading, them, leading to them dying in the wilderness outside of the promises and outside of the blessing. And, and so the generation that had been disciplined, it wasn't about God controlling them or bossing them around or making them obey his laws, though that was it, like, yes, they needed to obey the laws. That was for their own benefit as well. But it was so that when they got on the edge of the promise, God could say, I will give this to you. And they would believe him. Mm 
so that they could walk into the good things he had for them. And that's our heart for our kids too. Yeah. It, we want our kids to obey our voice because we know that once they've been trained to listen to our voice, to obey our voice, to trust our voice, then they can learn to listen to God's voice, obey his voice and trust his voice. Um, because truthfully, um, whether we like it or not, we are a representation of God to our kids. Like if if we can be faithful and trustworthy, then they learn that God can be trustworthy and faithful. But if we are not trustworthy and we're not faithful or we're harmful to our kids, then they have a hard time believing that there's a good father who cares about them and wants to love them and take care of them. And so this young training ourselves and our kids is really important and foundational in their walk with the Lord. Yeah. So we teach our kids to live from our voice. And one of the ways we did that when our kids were really young was we had the three no-nos. This is a great thing to start when they start crawling or toddler years. And we would just pick three things that were absolute no-nos that there would be discipline and consequence for. For most of our kids, it was eating out of the trash can. can pulling dishes out of the dishwasher because one time our daughter took a knife. Uh, she was like 15 months old, just like our to walk, a knife. sharp knife and stuck it in her mouth and, and then tried to toddle, toddle away. And we're like, Oh my gosh, that could kill her. <laughs> and then I can't remember the third one usually fluctuated a little, but it used to probably be the VCR, you know, cause they would stick their hands in and, and get stuck. And it was just a dangerous thing. You remember VCRs? You remember VCRs. And so there were these three things that became, I mean, you could say no. And if they, didn't respond, then this became for us a spankable offense or a, a discipline offense for them. It correction had to happen. And they would begin to learn that no was associated with correction, whereas they had other things that were undesirables that we would use not just no or no, no for, but let's we'd not do that. Let's, yeah, we'd use other words. We'd redirect. We'd do those things. But that what that training did was when we got out into public or into serious situations, we reserved that no for I need fast action. And it's amazing how our kids learned that, took to that, and then learned to trust our words in that. Yeah. Yep. Um, um, and, and so in young years, that was the tool we used. And it was great for obedience training. But it laid a foundation for what we're getting to enjoy with our kids now, where our words still have influence and we're able to use that influence more for things like, hey, I'm so sorry that those kids at school didn't treat you very kindly. And now I can help patch your heart up or, hey, you had bad dreams, but now my voice can help lead you out of fear. It, it, it starts with obedience training, but it leads to comforting influencing, helping, serving, rescuing, all of those kinds of things. If you'll believe me when I say, no, don't eat the, the garbage or there's consequences. If you'll believe me then, then you'll also believe me when I say, I love you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's just a, a real quick example too, of doing this with kids that we babysit. Like I teach my daughter how to do this. Um, it's, it, it's really great. Um, if you don't believe in spanking or other kinds of correction, this is a really great way though, to obedience train our children um, to trust our words. Uh, we frequently babysit a child who um, has some emotional behavior 
disorder and it's hard. Uh, friends also with foster care use this, but here's the example for him. Um, one day he was at our house and we had just finished eating dinner and we were watching TV and a pizza commercial came on to which he responded by screaming and crying loudly in the middle of the living room floor while the rest of us were trying to watch TV that he wanted food while he had just finished eating. And so I just gently went up to him and I said, hey, um, you know, you already ate dinner and here's your choice. You can sit and watch the show with us quietly. Or if you would like to cry, you may do that, but you need to do it in your room. And of course, that didn't have any response. So he started screaming all the louder. And I offered him that suggestion again, stay with us happy or go to your room and cry there. And he did not respond again. And so I said, okay, because you didn't respond to my words, here's, here's, here's the next level of consequence. You may walk to your bedroom to cry there, or I could carry you, how would you like to go? And again, he just laid there screaming. And I said, okay, because you chose to not walk, I will carry you. And I had to have Nathaniel because he's a big kid. And we picked him up and we carried him. And as we began carrying him, he screamed, no, 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 I'll walk. And I said, good choice. So we put him down. We let him walk upstairs. And uh, and I went with him because I, I knew I can't just leave this child in this state of very upset. And so could have been destructive. <laughs> could have been destructive. And so I stayed with him and I just began speaking life over him. Like, you know, you are, you, you know, you're so smart. You're so wise. I love you. You're a good kid. Like, I understand you feel frustrated, but here's the thing. You can always trust my words when you come here. And I pulled that out very clearly for him to see. And he's like, well, I want to go back down. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that because this was the choice you made. You had the choice there and then you had the choice there and this is what you chose. And so we're going to follow through with that. And so I read books and did other things with him up in the bedroom. Now, notice I don't just leave him. I stay and walk through the process of training. And so I told him, though, you can trust my word. So when you come here the next time, and you find that I'm giving you choices, you can choose right away so that we don't end up in this place again. So the next weekend they come over again and I just told them right up front and I said, remember now, buddy, you can always trust my words. And he's like, got it, right? So of course we have another emotional meltdown. I give him choices and I, but this time I said, you get to choose, but remember my words are trustworthy. And he was like, yep, got it. And then now it's like there's no problem because we've established that my words have value because I did the follow through. I created the boundaries and that became a safe and trustworthy thing for him. And the we have had so many more really good weekends of babysitting since that event. <laughs> right. Yeah. Still lots of work and there's still things that we're needing to do. It's not like we did this once and it was it. But it yeah. was better than a Band-Aid. It mm -hmm. actually brought healing. Yes. And and a security because they yeah. could trust my words. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so how do you get there? How do you get there? We, we talked about our, our aim that what we have been taught as parents is that we're supposed to raise our kids. But so often that has just been, pardon me if I'm a little too strong in this, but it's been dumbed down. To, own, to basically mean I get my kids to adulthood healthy and alive. And, and because we've been taught that 
basically there isn't actually hope for anything more than that. That's all we have hoped for. And therefore, those are the only skills we've looked to learn how to do that as parents. And so this isn't a, a guilt trip on parents who have been in that place. It, it, it actually is, we're preaching good news to you. To That's good news of hope that there actually is an ability to lead your kids into so much better than just getting to adulthood healthy and alive. Like there is something so much more that we can give our kids. And I think as parents, our hearts towards our kids is to give them the world, is to give them everything that we can. And it's just a matter of learning the right tools to do something deeper and more powerful. So here are some tools. How do you actually do this training thing so that you're not stuck just trying to raise kids? Again, raising kids is good, but it's just a low bar. So um, the first thing in training your kids is to know that it also means training yourself. (laughs) So true. (laughs) And so you might have heard this in Amy's story there that when, you know, this is actually a skill that you need to learn when, when you've got a screaming child, uh, like in straight up angry self victimhood rebellion in front of you, um, yelling at you, (laughs) it's really easy to tap into like, fight or flight. Like it's really easy to get defensive. It's really easy to have emotions get really strong very quickly. And so it took training for Amy to be able to stand in that intense place with peace and be able to say, these are your options. First of all, she'd trained her emotional chooser to choose I'm going to be the adult in this situation. I'm not going to let him dictate my behavior. I will live out of my value system. I'm going to choose to show love regardless of how I'm treated. Step one. Step two, here's basic knowledge. I know I need to give him an either or option. Just this or this. You pick. And then... We'll see which one he picks. Now it's a choose your own adventure. (laughs) But then I'll give him two more choices and then I'll give him two more choices. And basically each one is just restricting his options more and more until if he doesn't choose healthy choices, he ends up on his own. Like, okay, here you realize that you chose to be over there, but the rest of us are going to be unaffected by your bad choices. Um, but even after all of that, she still then was had tr- taken the self-training to, I'm going to stay here and walk him through the process. I will talk to him about what I just did so that he recognizes my words are trustworthy. This is a conversation. I learned how the skill of having this conversation to communicate that my words are trustworthy so that next time... I remembered, here's a skill. I brought it back up to him to set this as an expectation, which we'll talk more about in a little bit. I set this expectation. My words are trustworthy, remember? And it made it so much easier. Zach says, can you talk a little about the emotion of the parent? I have to see more. 
many times it's hard to have the patience or kindness in in those moments how do you get to the to a place to care for them through the process any tips um so this has been more of a thing honestly that i've had to learn than amy's had to learn um i i tend to have the more intense personality around our house um and so for me uh, and I've, I've helped walk some of our kids through this as well. There are two things that have been key, mo key helpers for me. Uh, well, three things that have been key helpers for me. The first one was simply um, uh, just getting help. Like if you realize that you're trapped in a cycle of behavior or repeated behavior that is unhealthy and not leading to the fruit that you want to see in your life or your kids' lives, um, then go get some inner healing. Like go, go get some stuff to help get delivered of those things. Um, because Jesus came to set the captives free and there are great ministries out there that will help you get actual freedom. The fruit of the spirit is self-control like religion will just give you rules that says you just have to try harder to be good. And Jesus actually said, no, you actually have to die. The old you that was sinful needs to die, but I have a brand new you that will be completely free from all those things that want to control you. Those, those moments of passion that want to seize hold of you and cause you to hurt people around you or lose your patience, lose your temper, whatever it is. Um, like Jesus actually is the savior that leads us into that freedom. And so there are some ministries that can help that more specifically. Um, so that was one thing I did. Another thing I did was I picked a compelling vision for what I was working for. And for me, that was a picture of me babysitting my grandkids with Amy not in the house that I want my kids to know that I'm safe with their kids, that no matter what that kid throws at me, I'm going to be a safe person for their kids. That was the compelling picture for me was, was a grandbaby in my arms. Um, I have a few things too, that I've worked on. Especially, to Oh, one. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> there was a pause as if there were, but that's because you breathed that. in, like you had something to say, <laughs> okay, Go ahead. but if you're going to go a different direction, um, the third thing for me was just understanding the nature of those, those moments, um, is it, they're, they're a lot like a cliff. And, and I like what, for the kids that I've worked through this, we, we just sit on the, on my bed and it's like, there's my, my bed and there's the cliff. That's the side of the bed. And, and you just kind of walk along, like, I think I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm not good. And all of a sudden you're eating kid, you know, like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of parents. You probably have been in those moments where you think you're okay and you think you're in control and you think that you're steady and you think that you are fine to enter into this discipline situation or whatever the, the, it, the situation is. And then all of a sudden you're yelling or you're saying hurtful things or whatever the, the, the problem is. Um, and so the, the thing that I had to learn was to stay, to, to learn that the edge of the cliff is hard to figure out where the edge of the cliff is and to make sure that I stayed farther away than I thought I needed to. Like, Hey, if I think I might be anywhere in the neighborhood of that cliff, 
I need to just go make sure I cool off for a little while before I go back. Or I need to tag team. Even if I was the one directly in the situation, I was the witness to what happened. So I ought to be the one who handles the situation. I might be like, hey, Amy, I don't think I'm in a good good enough place to know that I would handle this appropriately. So what would you, this is what happened. Would you take care of the discipline process? And I'll hand it off. There have been times she's done that with me, times I've done that with her. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and once you're over the cliff, you're still thinking that you're thinking rationally, but you are not. You think you're making good choices, but you're hurting people and it's not actually good. And then later on, you'll realize, oh, I was over the cliff and I should have backed off and I should have done this and I should have, should have, should have. Okay. So we just got to learn where is the edge of that cliff and let's just make sure we stay good and away from it. Yeah. A few things I would say in training ourselves in managing our own emotions is to realize um, like essentially what Nathaniel said first, that, that inner healing piece. If you um, are being pulled into uh, behaviors or emotions like a child, then you have your own maturing and growth process to go through. And inner healing ministries are great for that. If you need more info on that, please reach out to us. Um, or just spending time with Jesus and understanding that piece, but also recognizing um, especially like babies who don't have any communication, they're just screaming and you don't know why they're screaming, but sometimes mm -hmm. that's really hard on a parent and you're like, just stop screaming. You know, um, first know your limits when you need to just put a child down and walk away, please do. Even if a child is like in the middle of something that should be having correction direction, take a time out for yourself also. And again, Nathaniel's words about recognizing that you have to be willing to lay that down. So that helps a little bit. But um, when the child is a baby and screaming, it's good to just be like, this isn't about me. It's not personal. <laughs> Nothing is personal. Even when they're older kids, they might be saying all sorts of horrific things about hating you and wishing you were dead or that they were dead or whatever. It's not about you. And so you can like stop reacting out of a wounding or a fear or something or like that or defensive. Like this isn't, this isn't about that. <laughs> you know what? It's about, I care for you. I, I see that you're hurting and I want to help you through this process. And so kind of removing your own emotional state or like somehow you're not good enough or, you know, when we take like rejection and those things out of it and just make it about, you know what, this is about a situation right here. I'm on my child's team. We're not pitted against each other. Let's look at this problem together. How do we solve this instead yeah. of um, coming at it like you, me, and we're just coming at each other this way, you know, we come together and work on it together to find the solution. Um, that can be really helpful too. And I, I guess, you know, I think that the thing that has helped me the most to stay calm in those situations, sometimes, uh, especially with anger, when you have a child who's reacting strongly in anger, um, anger is an emotion with a frequency that can affect the people around them and you get sucked into that. And so having the foreknowledge that anger can be contagious. be contagious 
I just am like, no, I refuse to participate or partner with a spirit of anger. <laughs> and like, I can recognize that they have that. And that doesn't mean that I need to, you know, and again, if your child needs to cool off or you need to cool off, it's okay to take that break before you come together to work on the problem. Yeah. 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 Really it, great question. Zach, it, I, think I think a lot of people are a lot oh of parents man. like we've never experienced having somebody scream in our face before. Right. <laughs> and, and here we are. Wow. How do I respond to this? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's good to know, you know, it, on one hand, kids have a short memory. You wait too long and they don't even connect anymore with what happened in the moment. Um, so, and obviously the younger kid, the kids are, the shorter that time period is. As they get older, this is a little bit easier, but Jesus just said, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, hey, let's address this today. Yeah. Before the end of the day, you have plenty of time to walk away, cool off, collect your thoughts, come back, but do come back. Don't just let it stay unaddressed because that's kind of like a bone that's broken and doesn't get properly set. It doesn't heal right. Mm -hmm. Or it's like a wound that gets cut open, but not cleaned and closed properly. And, and it can get infected and, and it just, it leads to issues down the road. So. Yeah. And one more thing about this is I found myself, um, I always kind of figured if I got to the point that I was pushed too far, then what it really meant was that I waited too long to take care of the problem in the first place. <laughs> you know, like with toddlers, with little kids, even with our older kids, like we have to take care of it right now and make sure like if there's if, if there's a behavior or something going on, a lot of times as parents, we're too tired, we're too busy, you know, we'll just let this go until they have ramped to this point. And then we, we get pushed over the edge when the truth is, if we had trained ourselves to take care of the first offense, not the sixth offense, <laughs> we wouldn't right. even be in this place. It's yeah. just because they, they kept pushing the boundaries. They kept doing the wrong thing. And again, this is part of training ourselves. I would recognize, you know what, when I felt like I'd been pushed too far, mm, you know what, this really is my fault because I let that behavior go on way too long. It yeah. should have been taken care of right away. And then we wouldn't even be here. Yeah. So I, I want to connect just a couple of thoughts and wrap us up. And this will end up needing to have a part two next week. Um, but um, what Amy's saying about recognizing, oh, we let this go too far. Um, the part of why training our kids starts with training ourselves is because the, the second point we would get to, and we'll spend more time on this next week, is that you are training your kids, whether you think you are or not. So case in point, if you set a boundary and there aren't consequences for violating the boundary, consistently, then they'll learn that the boundary is not what your words said the boundary is. The boundary is when it finally bothers you. The boundary is when mom or dad got annoyed enough to yell about it, when mom and dad got annoyed enough that it made them angry, when if this happens one more time, boom, the, the top blows off. And that emotional response becomes the boundary 
instead of your words setting the boundary. And so you're actually training them then to not respond to your words. You're training them to respond to your emotional outburst, which then trains them that them making an emotional outburst is how they need to set a boundary as well. Instead of using their words, they will use their emotions to control and manipulate and set boundaries because that's what you did. Yes. So this is training kids. <laughs> it starts with training yourself. Yes. And, and that's where I think we're going to leave it. And it's a great setup for next week so that we can give you the tools, the great conversation from, uh, with Zach and, and, uh, and with everybody else engaged here, um, training your kids. This is God's call to us. It's not for controlling our kids. It's not for just obedience. It's actually to lead them into blessing and promise and good because that's our heart as parents. And if we can do it with our words, then we can give all kinds of good to our kids. All right. Thank you, guys. We bless you in your parenting journey, blessing your homes to be happy and healthy. And we will see you guys next week. Yes. Bye. Bye. Bye.